Hello, everybody. This is Andrew Pond, Artistic Director of Eclectic Full Contact Theater, and I'd like to welcome you to this special preview episode of Bloody Bay, launching March 16th. What follows is an interview with the writers of Bloody Bay, Anne-Marie Shea and Mimi Monteith, talking about what it's like to work with somebody that you've never met before and who happens to live in a completely different country. We hope you enjoy it. So first off, I want to thank both of you for uh, taking the time to do this. I know that scheduling these in-person, in quotes, meetings is always difficult considering the uh, the time difference. And apparently the fact that, Mimi, you have no Wi-Fi. Uh, <laughs> that did not help. Any, not anymore. Help. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I, I do. I want to thank both of you for taking this crazy project on and 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 doing it i i know that it was quite a task first thing i just let's jump right on into these questions but how long have you been writing what a question um I don't, I don't, easy ones what no, it's definitely one of the hardest it depends i mean if you're talking on a professional capacity about um three years and in, I mean, if you ask a writer how long they've been writing for, it's um, since I used to write terrible songs as a four-year-old for my parents and perform them. Um, a four is probably the wrong age, but no, in, I mean, in a professional capacity, it's been about th- uh, two and a half, three years. Okay. All right. I Look, writing horrible songs at the age of four counts. <laughs> I, I have no, I have, I, 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 no judgment here. Um, uh, Anne-Marie. Same question. Well, it's, hard, it's hard to say. Um, I'm a recovering English major. Um, so, you know, there's always been a bit of writing, uh, in, but there's been a lot of, you know, just working for a living and teaching and all that. So um, I think maybe about a year or so before I retired, I submitted something to Boston Theater Marathon, um, a 10 minute play festival that goes on for 12 hours. So there, you know. <laughs> uh, Great fun, but beginner's luck. I've never had anything accepted since. But uh, not only was it performed by members of uh, Shakespeare and Company, which is a very prestigious company, um, but they pirated it for the rest of their... I didn't say that. I didn't. (laughs) That's what we call what they did. Uh, But they were performing it outside at their beautiful place in Lenox for uh, the next summer or two. And I, uh, I, I... made the decision, do I go after them and, you know, throw some sort of dramatist guild form at them uh, that you can't do this? Or do I just let my name appear on their website? So for a couple of years, if you Google my name, you'd go directly to Shakespeare and Company. And I thought that was worth more than whatever the 35 royalties would be. So anyway, uh, so it's been uh, about 15 years that I've been at it seriously because of the luxury of retirement god yes excellent um so this is a question that i think everybody's going to be interested in is this the first time that you've collaborated on a piece with another writer if it is what was that experience like obviously but if it wasn't if this wasn't the first time what was different about this particular time collaborating with somebody as opposed to a time that you had collaborated with someone before and and Marie, I will throw that uh, question to you first. 
Well, I think everything is covered by the, uh, I, was, I was about, the word on my lips was pandemonium. That, that's not what we're going through. It's a pandemic, yeah. But <laughs> Uh, the uh, uh, that uh, for one thing, my writing partner had the nerve to get ill in the middle, <laughs> uh, and um, that we're uh, living in this very virtualized existence that we're not in the same room. I mean, that would be a wonderful excuse to say, "Oh, I have to hop on a jet plane and go to London to for." <laughs> And that would be really grand. Uh, as my father would say, um, if we had ham, we could have ham and eggs. If we had eggs, uh, I, I don't think I even uh, would be able to gather the funds to do that. I would love to be in the same room. Someday it will be Mimi. Uh, oh. I worked with somebody before I did the book and my partner did the music for an adaptation of a Moliere comedy. But he was in the room. Mm-hmm to my house and bang out his latest creation on my piano. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes all the difference in the world. Uh, uh, at first, and this was Mimi's suggestion, I'm indebted to Mimi for uh, creating a basic structure and chopping the story into 12 units, and then further chopping those units into scenes. And at, at first, if you recall, Mimi, we were sending scenes back and forth to each other. Well, between the time gap, yeah, uh, and then the person gap, you know, you're not going to open an email and immediately write a new scene to follow it. Uh, that that proved to be kind of awkward, so we alternated um, episodes. Um, Mimi, what about what about you? Is this, was this the first time that you'd collaborated with uh, with somebody? It was. It was. Um, I've always done stuff by myself before, and I mean. So I don't have anything to kind of go off as a, um, whether they're in the room or electronically. I mean, obviously, uh, being in a room with someone's going to be much more productive, I suppose. But um, I mean, I think it was great. I think that what was really interesting is that Anne-Marie and I had total, total different writing styles. And um, and it was a challenge at the beginning because both of us were um, wanting to write things in a very unique way to our own styles. and we found a sort of equilibrium within it. And I hope you can't tell who wrote what episode uh, <laughs> towards the end. Um, but it was a really interesting experience because actually, um, I, think, I don't know, I think that you you find your thing and you want to stick with it. And then there's so many other possibilities and uh, flaws in your own writing um, that you kind of forget that you had because you're so lost in the way that you write. And um, Amory was brilliant at very gently uh eking those out of me without ruining my huge ego so um, um no so i mean it's 40 years of teaching yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um describe to me sort of what the collaboration was like uh Anne marie had had mentioned something about it at first you were throwing scenes back and forth and then you decided to to to, to each write episodes how did you decide on who was going to write which episode and sort of how did you share those that information back and forth to to sort of stay as as on track as something like this could could uh can be 
Um, well, we brainstormed a lot over the phone at the beginning and then um, went away and wrote two entirely separate um, synopses and um, two entirely separate things of how we can break it down. I think Anne-Marie was quite kind earlier in saying that it was me that did it. Definitely wasn't. And, um, and then we pulled together. I mean, at the beginning, we worked, we thought that we had much more time than we did. And so we pulled together um, a quite loose overall structure and then um, a scene structure and broke down what was going to happen in each one and who was going to write each one. And then it kind of fell at the beginning as to the person behind the idea for that bit, broke that bit. But then as time progressed, and I think it was an electronic thing that we suddenly were like, oh God, we've actually got, you know, 400 pages to write in a month. Um, we then decided that well, whatever we were doing, however, um, much it was working in terms of merging our styles we needed to speed up so we had an overall strategy and we just went okay you take six eight and ten and I will take five seven and nine or whatever it is mm -hmm. and then um just said deliver it by this date um and then each of us did edits on the person on the original person's scene a okay. uh, script even right is that am I right in saying that Amory? That's pretty much, and I, I forget exactly how we came up with the uh, odd and even, who would take the odd numbers and who would take the even, but I think as impulsive as the way you just presented it. You do those and I'll do these. <laughs> now, were you now in, 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 the, in, the, in the process of, of as, as, as you said, uh, Mimi, of, of sharing it so that the other person could do edits on the things they did not write, did, Anne-Marie, were you mailing these like copies back and forth to each other or did you use something like a, a Google Drive or, or something where you could you could just make changes in in it and the other person would see it? Were you, you, know, were you uh, emailing it? it? We were emailing it as, uh, in my case, word attachment. Mm -hmm. and, um, if uh, Mimi sent me something and I, and I had something to say about it, I would go into the text in a, a red ink. Mm -hmm. Well, they're saying that, saying that, Andrew, we, I wish we'd had the spark to use Google Drive because that's just only now come into my mind and that would probably have been a lot more efficient. Sure. Yeah, so we were doing it the old-fashioned way of you send me something, mm. I'll write on your copy like an editor and mm. ship it to you as an attachment. Don't don't feel bad, though. That, that only came to my had a, a few months ago when I started doing when, when I actually got somebody to to help me write the other podcast that we've been doing for a while and I was <laughs> and I was doing like I'll send you the stuff and they're like why don't you just use drive I'm like oh right that's a thing <laughs> uh, <laughs> why why didn't I think of that um <laughs> excellent so 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 now here's here's the here's the next question is this the first audio drama that you've ever written now Anne marie I, I i know i think i know the answer to this question but i'll ask it to you anyway is this the first audio uh drama that you've written uh no because you read a previous thing. uh i had written a, something for the stage mm -hmm. and uh, a couple of years ago i think it was a group in florida they were looking for radio scripts and so i took my script of uh, my version Legend, which is um, one second. I have to plug in my computer. It's going down. 
No. <laughs> I'm back. Um, so uh, my I sent them uh, a revised version of a play that I had sitting on the shelf, The Theban Caper, mm -hmm. which was a noir uh, treatment of the very first detective story, I am told, uh, the Oedipus legend. Not only who done it, but what did he do? Right. Uh, it's so unspeakable. Uh, it's ironic that uh, this has been staged now, not staged, but uh, Zoomed by another company in the middle of, guess what, a plague. <laughs> you know, because that plays a big role in the Oedipus thing. At one point, the narrator actually says, there's something, you can smell it in the air. You can, no, 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 don't inhale this air. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had no idea that it would be Zoomed or shared with a public during times like this. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, um, it has yet to be done on stage and I think it would make a wonderful stage presentation. Uh, so uh, the Theban caper is the only thing that I've really written for exclusive, uh, you know, audio production. The, the uh, pandemic has been very kind to me. In addition to this production, I've had um, somebody zooming the a beautiful production of the Theban caper. And I have a, a two-hander um, that was done by a local, um, very good community theater group and involves two sisters. Excellent. Mimi. It is, it is. Um, I've done theatre solely throughout my career so far. So um, we went into lockdown and um, I had to change the way that I wrote. And so um, I did. And <laughs> this was the first thing that I wrote because of it. Um, and it's been brilliant. It's been brilliant. It's um, a whole new, it's a whole new thing. Yeah. <laughs> That that must be that must be um, well since both of you uh, I mean Anne Marie you said that you revised Theban Caper for audio and uh, Mimi you you've done uh, specifically theater up to this point what were the challenges of 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 shifting that that writing style from writing specifically for uh, live stage to to writing for an audio drama what what, what was that like Mimi. I think, um, I mean, okay, I write in a very dialogue heavy way, regardless. So in terms of that, it wasn't that different. I think that the biggest challenge for me was actually trying to incorporate sound. And so um, I found myself and quite often and gratefully um, edited by Anne-Marie when I would realise that there was no sound in the room. And so no one knew who was saying what and um I'd have to, you know, be like, actually announce the person as they entered the room or actually be like footsteps walking towards them. Um, or I would write that and Anne-Marie would add something far more eloquent than that. Um, so it's, it's that, yeah, it's just, um, it's not having the visual recognition at all and having to, I mean, I'm in writing normally, I would never repeat people's names at all because that's a rule that I've always abided by, but it's, mm -hmm. um, it's something that you have to do. Otherwise, you just have voices in the first episode that no one has any recognition to. Um, right. But it was interesting. I mean, it's been a great learning curve. Anne-Marie, did you find that to be the same kind of uh, you, you have to, um, you have to, you know, just as in theatrical writing, you're, you're sort of uh, 
costuming people and putting them in a set and adjusting the lights and whatever as you're type type typing away. Uh, your imagination has to provide all those cues and clues for you. So you have to write blind. If somebody comes into a scene, mm -hmm. the other person can't say, oh, hi, why did you come over? You have to say, hi, George. Right. Why did you come over <laughs> to my law office? Yeah. <laughs> it was, there was moments where the comments in Anne-Marie's notes on my scripts were just like, where the, where the sugar did they come from? And I'd be like, they were there the whole time. <laughs> I I I I I truly <laughs> hope that she actually wrote where the sugar did they come from. I let's let's pretend she did. Let's, we're we're going to go with that. Waste because, nothing. Write that down. <laughs> I'm, 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 it's 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 going it's going in the podcast. <laughs> um, and and what what drew you to wanting to. <laughs> To, to do this in the first place. What what made you want to uh, sort of tell this particular story? Um, uh, we'll start with Anne-Marie. What, 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 what well, I, I think this we project? covered this in our very first phone call. Mm -hmm. um, a, what, what made me want to do it? Because you asked me, my ego was having really... Uh, Big trip there. So, oh, you know, I felt like Sally Fields. He likes me. He really likes me. Uh, why this? I we stumbled into, um, and I, I don't remember the structure of our conversation, but I think we were both musing about the strange phenomenon of things like that little English village midsummer or mm -hmm. uh, Cabot Cove or wherever Angela Lansbury found all her murders. They're very small towns. Mm. How can they sustain this death rate? Pretty soon there'll be nobody to kill and there won't be anybody interested in killing anybody. Right. Um, and so we, we got on to that. And I don't know if I sent you a, a, a clipping from the, see clipping, I'm using an old fashioned vocabulary. Mm. Um, from the Boston Globe, um, Lizzie Borden's house, and Fall River is just sold for a couple of million dollars. It's a B and B. Mm -hmm. Lizzie Borden, who took an axe and gave her mother forty wax. <laughs> you know, so Fall River uh, makes a lot of money off the Lizzie Borden industry. Oh yeah. And uh, so we got down to a basic problem of how do you keep the economy of your town going when there's nobody left to kill. Right and the tourist attraction. Right, and 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 Mimi, what what made you want to jump on this? Um, I think it's brilliant. I think that um, yeah, the premise of having a tourist industry based off of people that are constantly being killed and then them running out of people um, is it was brilliant. And I say that having not thought it up, um, and so. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it was just a really fantastic idea. I think that um, having a creative outlet during COVID is obviously such an important thing for so many people. And to be a part of something like that, um, which involved so much humour and so many wonderfully talented people, was something that would have been ridiculous not to have tried to do. Um, and I remember we had our first meeting, Andrew, and I had a housemate or a 
family member in the background and they just said we started the meeting yet and like this because we've been laughing for half an hour before the meeting had even started and um, <laughs> you know I think it's just wonderful to be able to continue to create work um, and what a fantastic way to explore a new medium uh, and 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 I, I and I want to say I I was very very happy to that both of you wanted to do this because um the the way that we came about it honestly was let's just see if anybody <laughs> let's just see if anybody wants to even try this and so the um just for the just for the sake of 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 people realizing this on the on the on the podcast um the two of you had never met prior to saying that you were going to do this is I, i'm i'm correct about that right yeah, yeah. Um, we had, we had simply just put out a call. I, I, that see if anybody wanted to write serialized audio dramas. And so it was, it was really just talking to people and finding out what their interests were. And the fact that both of you thought this was a good idea, that's why you got put together, which is why we have somebody writing in Massachusetts and somebody else writing in London, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which, which was its own, uh, presented its own challenges i'm sure but um i i i am just i'm just over the moon for how it all turned out and and i i really do want to thank the both of you for taking that idea uh as as sort of like roughly <laughs> rough roughly uh f framed out as it was and turning it into something that was sig significantly more than what I had in my head when I had the meetings with both of you. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I really do appreciate it. it, it, it it's, a, it's a wonderful piece. Oh, thank you have you. a wrap party? Uh, <laughs> drive up in limos? And yes, yes. We're all going to get it dressed up uh, to the nines and sit in front of our computers. Um, <laughs> Which is fine. Mimi's already got the champagne, so we're set. Yeah, she's got the right attitude. <laughs> I live the definition of it, 7 p.m. somewhere. It's literally 7 p.m. here. So there, there you, you guys go. can do it too. You're, you're legal. You're legal. Rock on. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'd like to say, uh, Andrew, that uh, having had the opportunity to um, see what the cast is doing, I am just in awe of uh, the acting chops uh, not to mention the technical challenges of having one person do, do two different accents when he does two different characters. Uh, and I threw some uh, pretty nasty accents out there. And I, I think people did a wonderful job in mastering them. That down east, you, you know. You did. You did some, you did some <laughs> bad, bad things to people. And with, <laughs> with, with that with that Pepperidge Farm accent and then the, and then the French Canadian. We're way, way up in Maine somewhere. We never use the word Maine, but I'm yeah. thinking down east. Yeah. And uh, they, they, they're different. I like, nice. the fact that, I like the fact you. it's called a down east accent when it's way, way up. Mm. In, in, I, I don't in know how that happens. The actual um, area runs um, laterally. It doesn't go up and down. But if you look at the map, there's this big jut of land that points out to the east. I guess mm -hmm. that's where it came from. Um, but it's a different world. Yeah. I don't know. 
but I really do. I really do appreciate it. Uh, we're 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 very excited about it. I'm I'm really uh, uh, happy with with how it came out, and uh, and that's really down to the two of you um, for oh, for giving you. us the, for giving us the the source material to to be able to put some really great actors and, and director and a really wonderful director on top of. So I'm going to stop recording actually right now. Because I don't want to give away any spoilers. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. But thank you all very much. Thanks very much for listening to this special preview episode of Bloody Bay, launching March 16th. If you like what you heard and would like to support Eclectic Full Contact Theater's all-audio ninth season, you can do so at Kickstarter up until March 8th. Just head over to eclectic-theater.com for all the information. If you want to directly support Bloody Bay, you can do so at redcircle.com slash shows slash bloody-bay. Or you can join us at Patreon at patreon.com slash EFCT, where for as little as $3 a month, you can get access to amazing behind-the-scenes contact and some merchandise that is, well... (laughs) to die for. If you're afraid of commitment, don't worry about it. Just head over to buymeacoffee.com EFCT where you can make a one-time donation that will help Eclectic continue to employ a wide-ranging and diverse group of artists through the lockdown and beyond. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you again soon. <laughs>